What's going on, guys? This is Armchair Referees Podcast. I am your host, the man that wished he had the 22-inch guns, the man with the flowing hair and the awesome phrases, Faye Cockley. And I am the co-host, the man, the bearded brother from another mother, the one, the only, Chip Bayless. What's going on, Chip, tonight? We're going to have a fun show. Everything and everything is going to be talked about. Absolutely, man. we got a lot going on tonight. Starting off with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. That is, that's a weird situation. One, the way the fan base took it was different for a guy that's, you know, poured his heart and soul into a team in a city like that. Especially, like, I feel like Andrew Luck definitely did it the most classiest way you could do it. Um, he, he realized that he just lost the love of the game. And, you know, for a guy... For nine seasons, spending seven of them constantly battling an injury, I get why he retired. Absolutely. I mean, looking back at that 2012 draft, Andrew Luck being the proclaimed, the successor of Peyton Manning, the guy that was going to eventually take over the house that Peyton built, Lucas Oil Stadium, and be the franchise guy for the next 10 to 12 years, um, definitely caught me by surprise Saturday night. I'm sitting on my couch watching the Miami-Florida game. A really, good, a really great game, by the way. And then during a commercial break, I happened to get a little notification from Mr. Adam Schefter. And I, it just caught – like, I was completely mind-blown because I'm just like, really, Andrew Luck's retiring already? Like, I looked at my friend, and I'm just like – did you get that? And he goes, no. I said, dude, Andrew Luck's retiring. He goes, no way. I was like, dude, Adam Schefter reported. It's legit. Um, I, I remember. I, I remember you shared it on the Armchair Referees uh, Facebook page. Remember to like and subscribe and leave us that Johnny Menzel rating on there as well. Throwing that little bit up in there. But uh, I remember seeing it. You, like, you shared it. And I'm like, what? And it, like, I took a screenshot. I messaged you. And I'm like, what the, like, is this for real? Like, is this really happening? And you're like, yeah, dude, it's happening. I Like, it blew my mind that exactly. he retired. At the time, it, like, he retired, too. It was like the Colts were in the middle of a preseason game with the with the Bears. Yeah. And I'm just like, you. not to mention the Bears have Chuck Pagano. Like, in, in the a, house. In the house, too. <laughs> it's like, what a story. What a way to just go out. And the Colts fans that showed all the disrespect, man. As a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I don't want to hear it because we get the rash all the time about being the most hostile fans and showing being the most disrespectful. That right there is just absolutely uncalled for. I mean, this guy poured his heart and soul for that franchise for the past seven years. And I give blame to Jim Irsay because they, oh, 100%. Could, they could not build around him. They did not. Outside well, it, of Quentin Nelson, the the draft picks for the Colts, like offensively, like on their offensive line, have been duds. Exactly. It, it, well, that doesn't help that whenever, like those first few years that he was in the league, they didn't pick an offensive lineman until like the fourth round. Exactly. Like, how do you build an offensive line to keep him upright? Because his pa- his first four to five years, he spent running for his fucking life. And what gets me is the fact that like they made it to the AFC Championship game that one year with the with the offense line they had the few weapons on offense they the no, had the and no, absolutely no the defense sus, the suspect <laughs> no run game whatsoever how they even made it to the AFC Championship game is completely beyond me and I believe that was the same game as the Flategate it, it was like that's just a testament of how good Andrew Luck was if he would have stayed healthy I'm telling you right now Peyton's records were in trouble. I completely agree. I, it, like I said, man, looking at Andrew Luck coming out back in that 2012 draft class, it's like you'd think that this guy was going to be the next the, the face of the Colts for the next 12 years. Like it was going to be Peyton Manning all over again. Um, also, going back to that 2012 draft class, is just you got Andrew Luck first overall. Now he's gone. RG three. What was he now? Like possibly might even be losing his second round bid to Trace McSorley in Baltimore. Uh, I really don't chalk that up to RG3's fault. I chalk that up to the Redskins organization. True, true, because Dan Snyder, you know. You Dan know Snyder being Dan Snyder who he is, you know. Honestly, we can say a lot of things about Jim Irsay, but 
Dan Snyder is like the worst owner in the NFL. Absolutely. I don't get I just don't get him. Like he overpays for overpays washed up for players. Free agents. Does, <laughs> Albert Hainsworth. Does, doesn't draft well and when they they do draft well, they ruin these guys. I, think still, I, I still think today they're still paying Albert Hainsworth contracts. I'm pretty sure they still are. I, I think Albert Hainsworth is like the next uh, Bobby Bilma. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that guy's getting paid for forever by forever. the Mets. <laughs> yep. Still. <laughs> but, it, like, honestly, I still think the Colts are going to do fairly well this year they're did they you are see, so stacked did you see the video of when andrew luck told jacoby on the sideline that he was retiring jacoby just had that look on his face like bruh are you, are, like are you serious right now like <laughs> like you should have prepped ba- me for this you, you are basically handing me the keys to the ferrari right now <laughs> like just like that christmas he, morning he here's the keys like to the ferrari don't looked, wreck it he looked like that 16 year old kid on christmas or like I shouldn't say Christmas. He he looked like that 16-year-old kid who just turned 16, got his license, and the parents are like, here, kid, have the keys. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you you think Jacoby's going to do okay. I I don't know, man. I mean, I know he he sat behind Brady. But here's the thing. Whenever he replaced Brady before he got injured, looked amazing. Whenever he got traded to the Colts, he looked amazing. Whenever he was playing, even with that crappy Colts team, he looked good. And now he has an offensive line in front of him. He's a guy that's mobile. He has a strong arm, very accurate, great football IQ. They have a strong defense, and they have this thing called a run game that they've been missing for years. Edron James. <laughs> well, yeah, since Edron, Ollie freaking Edron James. Maybe even Joseph Adai. <laughs> well, yeah, Joseph Adai was like, he was, he was, he was, he right. he was a, he was a two down back. He was that guy, give it up the middle, try to get a few yards, and if you pick up his first down, great. He was a downhill runner. That's really all he was. He wasn't a great guy catching out of the backfield. His pass blocking was suspect. <laughs> but so, so now we got the Colts bringing in these quarterbacks: Osweiler, um, Matt Castle, Brandon freaking Whedon. I Brandon thought that Whedon, guy yeah. died. <laughs> I honestly, last time I heard of Brandon Whedon was like with like he was a backup for the in Cowboys for the Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just wow. When I heard Brandon Whedon, I'm like, he's still around. Yeah, he's still in the league. <laughs> I, I just completely now. Just, like, did they sign Kaepernick, or what the heck happened there? Because if they're still looking for a number two, because I saw that they signed Kaepernick, but no one's talking that, about that. Him. Was actually a fake uh, NFL meme. You sum them up. <laughs> yeah, you I'm could the, have filled me in on that. I'm one. I'm the one that shared that. I am guilty on that. That that was shout out to NFL memes on that one because. <laughs> I absolutely. I, did, I just blew past it. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I lost it when I saw they signed Kaepernick, I, and I saw those NFL memes that posted. I'm like, oh. I was like, man, how many people would you think that actually thought that was legit? Well, guess real? what? You caught me. You're good. You know, it's a good thing I work seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> but man, back to that 2012 draft class too. It's like one and two, Luck Griffin, just never. And the Redskins gave up the house for to RG3. Get RG3. And, well, good thing it was Fisher and St. Louis. Otherwise, the Rams might be even scarier than what they already are. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then you look in the third round, there was a Mr. Russell Wilson and a mm-hmm. Mr. Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. 15 picks between each other, both have Lombardis. Yes. So I, looking back at that draft class, it's just it just goes to show like it doesn't matter how high or what round you go in, like you can make a difference and big time. That's that's another thing that it's starting to become. You can find a gem anywhere nowadays. I look at Brady, pick one ninety nine. Yeah, Brady, like Patriots struck gold in that in that draft with pick one ninety nine. You don't always have to be a first-round talent anymore to really make it big. Exactly. And that, that's that been a proven fact for a while now. And it's just like – exactly. It's just like you just see these draft classes coming in now. you got these guys getting all hyped up, being the first overall pick. And 
it's just, look how many of them flake out of the NFL two years later. Exactly, man. It's just crazy. And, I mean, back to the Colts situation. I mean, it's just – it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts do. I mean, Jacoby is pretty much given the Ferrari right now. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, Jacoby – Jacoby's my boy. I, I like Jacoby Brissett. I remember when he first came out in the league, and he he was rocking out. Like yeah, he was making plays there in New England, looking damn good. Then got traded whenever luck went down again. And as I said, he looked good while the rest of the team was like suspect. Okay, that year he was. Sp- slowly and like somewhat hiding but was putting up excellent numbers for how good the team was so I think Jacoby's going to be fine um just take it easy Indianapolis fans you're going to be fine Jacoby's he's still young I said the guy the guy has a strong arm and he's very mobile and when he was playing at NC State he was a winner yeah. So give it give it time. Let the season ride out, and just remember one thing: you play in the AFC South. There are three damn good teams in the AFC South. <laughs> and that brings us to our next topic. Speaking of the AFC South, what is going on with Jadavian Clowney? See that that one's a head scratcher. I don't understand why the heck they're trying to trade him. Like the only thing that comes to mind for me is. They're worried about being able to pay him. That's the only thing I could think of. I, I mean, I agree. Because he's been it's, productive. He's oh, been absolutely. productive the past two years. It's just, I, I think the, the health issue as well, as well is also for major concern with the Texans um, moving forward. Um, there's reports going on. He's going to be either traded. I guess he wanted to be traded to either Seattle or Philly. Those are like the two main teams I've been seeing. Me as an Eagles fan, I, I don't really see it happen. I mean, the Eagles already got enough defensive line depth as it is. I mean, we got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, um, Timmy Jernigan. I, I just I just don't see a fit for Clowney in Philadelphia. And I really don't see see him joining Seattle either right now. I think Seattle's actually relatively happy with their with their end pieces because there's no way Clowney's moving inside. No. Um I think they're relatively happy with their end pieces. For fuck's sakes, they gave up Frank Clark to my Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if you're willing to part ways with Frank Clark, a guy that led your team in sacks last year, I think they're pretty happy with their end pieces. I don't f- foresee them going out and trading for Javion. Um, there is actually one team I could actually see going up after him, and that's Green Bay. I could see Green Bay going up after him. They need a they need a pass rusher. Clay Matthews moved on to um, LA. LA, and then Mike Daniels joined Detroit. Those were their two top pass rushers last year. So, I uh, said that's about the, that's one team I could see him going to. I could see Detroit going up after him as well. Detroit needs a pass rush. They bulk up that defensive line. I mean, especially yeah. in that division where you got to chase after Trubisky, you got to chase after Rodgers, um, Kirk Cousins. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's just uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Clowney. Uh, if I'm the Texans, honestly, I think I think they should give Clowney at least another year, and then they can finally decide what's what's going to. There's one trade I would love to see happen just to pair him up with him, and that's him going to Chicago. Could you imagine JB on Clowney and Cleo Mack? Oh my God! Can you say Sackfest? <laughs> Sackfest. <laughs> that would just... be scary. That could you imagine that's that front almost, five that's, right there? That's almost bringing back the '85 monsters of the Midways right there. Could you imagine that front seven right there? Just absolutely Hicks, disgusting. Big Eddie Goldman, Khalil Mack, JV on Clowney. Monsters of the Midways 2.0 again. That'd be crazy. Sack fest. Sack fest. Eat up. <laughs> Every single running running back, quarterback, or like, mm-mm. No. They won no. no business. They'd be arguing in the huddle. No, it's a handoff. No, it's a pass. <laughs> no, it's a handoff. They no, out, it's a pass. 
listen, I'm the quarterback. We're handing it off. You're getting killed on this play. Now, it, it, that, that'd be scary. I just don't think Chicago can, can afford them. <laughs> nah, I, I think Chicago is just perfectly fine where they're at right now, to be <laughs> honest. I think it would be interesting. You know, but that's just I, I, it would be interesting <laughs> for sure, no doubt. Every single quarterback on that schedule was like, nope, not today. I'm faking an injury. <laughs> Send the backup in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just interesting. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand it, but um, is what it is. I think maybe he's trying to get – I think he's trying to go out and get his paper. It very well could be, but I think he still has two years left on his deal. True. So – yeah, but you know what? It's that trend again. Guys are trying to Guys get paid two get years, paid. two years left in a deal. Whenever it used to be, date the year before, but whatever. It's, <laughs> it's the new trend. You know what? Just go go to the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> They'll pay you. <laughs> and that's that's the, that's the beauty of this. And I really hope these guys that are are going to be getting hit with the final cuts here are going to go to the XFL. They aren't just going to be sitting around waiting for next year. Go to the XFL. Get your playing time in. Get some more tape to show these guys. Be like, listen, you made a big mistake. You made a mistake. Look at my one-hand grab. Odell Beckham that. Yeah. Speaking of which, can I uh, – wait. This, this is – did you – you watched some of the Cincinnati game last night. Yes. Yes, we're switching right into college football here real quick. Uh, so that, was, that was our next topic. I have to talk about this. So, did you see that block that the tight end threw on that corner? And they they, they threw that flag. Uh-huh. What is this game coming to? Dude, I don't even know. I, like, I don't know what a like legal block is. I don't know what it, – it's getting to the point where it's like, what is even a pass interference anymore? So, like, what, what the heck is he supposed to do? You know, it, it's a design play. It, I think it was a little flare pass design play there. And he came came and did what the heck he's supposed to do. It isn't like he even hit him in the head. It was a perfectly no, it was a perfect executed, executed block. block. Yes. And now there's no blindside blocks? What the heck is he supposed to do? Just, like, is he supposed to throw a pick, like, in basketball? Be like, oh, sorry, bud. <laughs> I, I just don't know like anymore like what even a, a legal block is anymore. It, it's it's just getting ridiculous sometimes like these penalties and it's it's just un, like it's just unreal anymore. Like if if we're gonna throw, keep going this like I know this has been an ongoing issue the past like what five years, especially in the NFL. You might as well just throw flags on these guys, and it's now flag football because that's what it's resorting to. And it's really sad. Honestly, it really is. I mean, the game of football, like you, we grew up watching the hard hits, the the trash talking. The, it, it's just not anymore. It's just like you say something like offensive or vulgar. It's like that's a 15-yard penalty. You do like last night a perfectly executed block, 15-yard penalty on like an unsportsmanlike conduct. It's just ridiculous. It, it is. I just – I just don't get it anymore. And, I mean, I completely understand from, like, some perspectives about the player health and safety, the concussion, protocol, and everything like that. I, I, I completely understand that. But at the same time, it's like – When it's that clean of a block and he doesn't even hit his head. <laughs> you have played this game majority of your life. You signed the papers. You bought the equipment to play this sport and to excel in this sport to possibly become a professional. You have to understand the risks. You have yeah, exactly. You need to understand like this is what you're going to be putting your body through. Mm-hmm. I, I said you might as well just throw flags up on these guys anymore. That I thought that was the dumbest penalty I've ever seen in my whole entire life, and I've and we have seen some dumb penalties. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it it's always just going to blow my mind a little bit, but it is what it is. I guess that's what we're going to have to live with this year. But, hey, man, on the positive side, college football is officially back, and I cannot wait. It's a whole new season. Oh, man, it's just great, man. Tailgating, get the grills out. Oh, yeah. Crack open a couple cold ones. 
that Cincinnati game back 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 on that that was a damn good game last night. I enjoyed every single second of that game. Very good game. It was probably the best game last night for sure. I that night I like seeing Chip Kelly get you know get my, beat. My boy, <laughs> I, 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 I honestly like, I'm I not gonna lie. It was a little bit pleasurable just watching Chip just get <laughs> smacked by a team from that American League conference. Just... I I I said it last episode. The American Conference does not get the respect it it deserves. There are it damn good teams in that in that conference. Exactly, like UCF was like the trans, or actually no, actually Louisville was when they had yep. Lamar Jackson. Yep, and Cincinnati's always put a good team team together. They're always competitive. And then you got every UC, you year. got UCF too. UCF demolished, demolished Florida A and M. That game was over by halftime. Well, you had to know that game was going to be bad. I mean, it's Florida A&M. <laughs> At least put up a fight. Like, put a field goal up on the board. <laughs> don't, don't lose 62 to nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's like the other thing, too. Like, Wimbush, and it's like these other quarterbacks going through the uh, transfer portals. It's just – Wimbush got – he got sat out by a freshman. Yeah. They sat him down for a freshman. And then the freshman took over and completely ran the game. It, so it's going to be interesting to see, how, it, see these, gonna, some of these quarterbacks that transferred during this offseason. And it's like you got uh, Jalen Hurts now with uh, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Tommy Stevens with Mississippi State, and they're going through a – Mississippi State just got hit with an NCAA violation for like the next two years. Well, they, they, they've been going on and off with that ever since that one recruiting class. Uh but I, f- I feel like that's like the SEC style sometimes. They're constantly – I feel like teams in the SEC are constantly getting hit with sanctions. And I I blame partly of that to them trying to keep up with Alabama. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's hard to recruit it's against hard Alabama. It's hard to recruit against Alabama because Nick Saban runs the South. Al- Nick Saban is the, like – Recruiting guru. <laughs> Everybody wants to play for Bama, and that's just that's the trend. It's how it's been for the past ten years now. Yeah, it's crazy to think like how someone can make that much of an impact on a program, and to see where Alabama actually came from. Because I mean, the early two thousands, I remember Alabama was, was really terrible, and then Saban takes over and becomes like this football college, like this college football god, and just turns Alabama into like this dynasty of a program, and now you got uh, Clemson on the rise now, putting putting up with Alabama and the recruits, fighting them in the national championship. And that's like the other thing too. It's like these national championships. And I can't do another Clemson Bama national championship. Well, you better get used to it because that's I, the way it's, it's going to be. Just, I got to see something different, man. <laughs> I got to see something different. Hey, hey, maybe if they finally put UCF up into up into the playoffs. Listen. <laughs> Just because they threw a parade at Disney World <laughs> does not mean they were national champions. Hey, they went undefeated. <laughs> True. I mean, they did go undefeated. They deserved every right to be in that college football playoff that year. And it isn't like they played a bunch of teams like Ford A&M. Okay. They played a tough schedule, and they won every single one of those games. It isn't like they're rolling up there, up there into a cupcake schedule. It's, as I just said, you got I honestly, I did. I really wish that UCF would have made the college football playoffs. They should have because I really wanted to see where they like stood up against the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Georgias. It's just, I don't know. This whole college football playoff thing, man, just has me like befuddled sometimes. Because even it's like the one year Penn State won the Big Ten, yet Ohio State the same year Penn State beat Ohio State. Ohio State got into the college football playoff. It's like the I don't know. Like I get the whole committee and everything gets involved but it's just like some some of like their some of their like uh selections have just been absolutely like mind-boggling it's bonkers ridiculous it's bonkers chipped it's bonkers but man i'm glad college football is back oh i've been looking forward to it all year i love i love college football because you never know what's going to happen absolutely last year who saw Purdue smacking the crap out of Ohio State? I know I didn't. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> or, or North Texas going into Arkansas and just smacking them around. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I love I love those games. I love those games. And there's a couple teams I see in the top ten that I really just find very questionable. I mean, the other night watching Florida Miami, or Florida kind of being number eight team in the country, I was like, eh, wasn't really feeling the Gators that night. I mean, I know Miami was putting up a fight with them, but I just Florida survived. They 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 dodged a bullet on that one. Number nine Notre Dame. Eh. Well, Notre Dame has been putting a pretty decent squad together the past few years. Their non-conference schedule has been really good over the last couple of mm-hmm. years as well, too. So I got to give props to Notre Dame on that. But I don't know about Notre Dame, man. That's that's another team, in my opinion. I think is a little sketchy. Uh, I think Notre Dame, at the same time, has been like living off the past, and these guys keep recruit, you know, keep putting them up in the top twenty-five. And how often do they actually finish in the top 25 anymore? They always get ranked at the start of the season. They make a decent bowl game, maybe. But they don't finish nine times out of ten ranked. Some, sometimes I really think it's just the hype from because they have that contract with NBC Sports, and that's why you got to see Notre Dame football on NBC every Saturday instead of ESPN because – they have that contract with NBC, and I just think it's hype. It's just some some of the years, even like when they had Brian Kelly there, it's just like some of the years that when they stunk, it's like, oh, watch Notre Dame on NBC every Saturday. It's like, I'm not going to sit back and watch a four and six football team. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm not going to tune into that. I. And then being independent, too, it was just like, come watch us play Nevada. No. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? What satisfactory am I going to get on a Saturday afternoon watching the Golden Denver's go against the Wolfpack? <laughs> There's no satisfaction there. That's like, so like last year, I purposely watched, because me and you both know, I'm not a Penn State fan. I'm originally from Wisconsin. I bleed cardinal red and white. I like my Badgers. But I purposely watched that Penn State game when they played in the, uh, Appalachian State. The freaking legend killers. The legend killers. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Like Before that game, I honestly sat there and thought, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised if Appalachian State made this a game. Sure enough, and they did. And then they went to overtime. That's when I was really on the edge of my seat because I'm just like, oh, my God, this is 2007 App State, Michigan. I'm telling you, that program, that's the program that's on the rise. Give them 10 years, they're the next Bama. I really think Appalachian State should finally join, like, 1AA. Like, I I think they should finally start coming up to the they – like, I, I think they should actually join a conference, though. Like They they, they are. They're they're in uh, – I think they're in Conference USA right now. Yeah, but I'm talking, like, an actual, like – Oh, they they need a few more years up, up, in, up with the big boys. You think so? Oh, yeah. Cause I don't know, man. I think they could. I think they might be able to beat a couple teams in the ACC, in my opinion. Oh, I, I think they could beat them. I mean, it's, I'm not saying they're gonna. That. I'm not gonna say they're gonna go to Clemson and upset Clemson. I mean, there's there's a couple teams in the ACC I could see them beating easily. I mean, Wake Forest. Psh. Oh yeah. Florida State. Psh. Come on now. I I think they should just. I think they should schedule those teams, Vanderbilt, stuff like that. Yeah, get like get like the uh, SEC weak teams, get the weak teams from the ACC, bulk up a little bit, get recruiting good in the couple next couple years, and then join the major conference like an ACC. Oh yeah, I could see it. I I I think I think that's what they should do, and then as a, it just because you know what, even though those teams suck in their respected divisions, they still get decent recruits just because of the conference that they. They play in. And it's still it's still SEC talent. Whenever they're, you know, at Vanderbilt, it's still ACC talent. If you're, if you're playing like Wake Forest, Wake Forest, no matter what way you look at it, it it's just the way it is. Oh, they're in the Sun Belt Conference. Sorry, the Sun, Sun Belt. Belt. They play like teams like UNL Monroe and <laughs> <laughs> Ford International. <laughs> Watch out for the Golden Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, give them, give them a few more years, establish themselves up up here, and and I'm telling you, they're going to continue to recruit well. 
They're going to continue to keep games close with Penn State. And, you know, that's just a testament to what that program is becoming. It's just the mentality of that program. It's just like, hey, you want to keep doubting us? You want to keep sleeping on us? Okay, we'll show you what we can do. Honestly, that game last year when they played Penn State, I applauded Appalachian State because I'm just like, you know what? I'm like, that program has something special, and I think that could be a program that's going to finally get the respect that they earn here in the next couple of years. Because it isn't like they're playing these teams at home and these are going to, like, fluke close wins. I mean, in, like, close games. They went into Ann Arbor <laughs> when the Big Blue was actually, actually a thing, when the Big House was a place to fear to go play in. And they, they beat them. Yep, big time. That's when they were still FCS. And then this past year, they go into Happy Valley. I'm pretty sure it was a whiteout, mm. if I remember correctly. I don't recall. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I saw but... a lot of white during that game. So, But either way, it's still Happy Valley. That's almost an NFL-sized stadium. 110,000. Rowdy crowd, and they're going in, and they shut up. The Happy Valley crowd. Big they time. shut up the Penn State crowd. They're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, time. And they had to expect that. Like, even as a Penn State fan, like, I sat there and thought, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Appalachia State made this a game. And sure enough, they did. But like I said, like, when they went through overtime, I'm like, man, if we end up losing this game, man, I could hear the end of it. I would have been sharing the crap out of that on Facebook. <laughs> Every single one of my Penn State fan friends would have been hearing it. <laughs> Cool. Like, I got a buddy that's a Michigan fan, and he still hasn't heard the end of it. <laughs> Every single time I see anything about that Appalachian State-Michigan game, I automatically share it and tag him in it. Just haunts his dreams. Oh, yeah. Every time I see him out, out and around town, hey, Michigan and Appalachian State. <laughs> you just don't live down those kind of losses until they become a big school. And it's like the memories, too, because I still remember um, that game vaguely because I remember I was at Beaver Stadium um, watching that game go down because Penn State just finished up. I think they played Florida International. It was, I know it was the beginning of, for game one of the college football season. Penn State smacked Florida International. Everyone getting their tune-up games then. And then right after the game was over, right on the video board, they had the Appalachia State-Michigan <laughs> game going. And I'm just sitting there on my seat thinking, is this really happening right is now? Is this real? <laughs> this is actually happening. And Pinch then, me. I'm dreaming. <laughs> when, when they blocked that field goal, Beaver Stadium went absolutely nuts. Like, we were going crazy that day. I was like, that has got to be the biggest upset in college football history. And that's the beauty of college football. Like, I love upsets like that. It, it's bound and determined It's David to versus once, Goliath. Once a year, or like – at least once a year, there is a upset of that magnitude every year. Like, last night, I started watching the, the Texas State game against Texas A&M. Texas State played them very well at the beginning. I'm like, mm, this might be that one upset of the year. Didn't happen. <laughs> they start, Texas A&M settled in, but like, all right, this is our house. <laughs> all right, we we played with you here. We just need to get our, you know, get the rust shaking off here. We got sick and tired of hitting each other. So, <laughs> but then you had the Holy War BYU and Utah. I didn't get to watch too much of that game, but the little bit I did get to watch, it looked like a relatively good game. Utah definitely looked in control though for most of it. Which, you know, Utah was picked to win their 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 division of the conference. Their Utah is a sleeper team, honestly. I, I still remember watching ESPN uh, a couple weeks ago and they were talking about Utah and like I was looking at their like schedule and I'm like, Wow, Utah might actually have a chance to actually if they if things go well for Utah this season, they could be that team that sneaks into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Yeah, you Utah looked damn good. Um, well, like it's college football. Anything can happen, so we'll I just have to wait and see how the how the year plays out. But the number one thing I want to talk about: four starters in Bama <laughs> get suspended. Roll Tide. What is going on down south in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> Man, I don't even know. You shared that the other day, and I'm sitting there I'm like. 
So not only are they going through suspensions, but they got injuries as well. I don't know, man. Maybe this is just a down year, but I don't know. I, I just... But me and you both know, even those guys backing up. <laughs> and that's saying it's almost like Belichick, like, for the Patriots. It's, it's, it's NFL talent. It's, it's NFL, NFL talent, talent behind. <laughs> it's like no, you could lose your starters at Bama. The backup's going to come in and still, like, produce. It's just, like I said, it's Belichick-like. Mm-hmm. And that's the number one reason Bama's been able to stay as good and as hot as they have been over the past few years. You, you – when you recruit that well, it's going to be hard to beat you. Absolutely. I mean, and their depth is always insane. <laughs> I mean, even when you got Clemson being like up there with them, it's like some of the years you sit there and think, I was like, when Clemson was actually up on the rise, like the first like title game against Bama, it's like, man, I don't really know how Clemson's going to do against these guys because, I mean, Clemson, this is the first time in, like, 20-some years they've been in the national title. And, I mean, Bama being Bama, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Oh, it's another ring for Bama. <laughs> I, like, that's, that's, that's what you thought. And then Deshaun Watson happened. <clears throat> yeah. And I think what, what happened there was Clemson saw the mold that Alabama was doing. They're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to repeat the mold, but in our image. So they took a lot of things from the mold, and then they did it in their way. It's kind of like college basketball. A lot of these teams saw what Kentucky was doing. They were getting freshmen, the top five freshmen every year, playing them. They play one year, they go to the draft, draft. and then it's just recycle, recycle. And then Duke Duke caught on. They started doing the same thing. A lot of college basketball is doing the same thing. Well, that's the thing, too. It's also you got to look at the brands as well. It's like – you think about college basketball, it's like automatically you just think of the Dukes, the UNCs, the Kentuckys. Like, that's where majority of these recruits for college basketball want to go to. And um, it just depends on, like, the program and the history and everything else. And, like, for Bama to come from where they came from and to be what they are today is just – it's just – It's a testament to Nick Saban. Big time. Nick Saban, you want to come to Wisconsin? <laughs> hit him up come on over build a dynasty at the uw <laughs> i'll help pay your salary <laughs> but it, it's it college fo- football is always evolving and that's that's the other thing that's the beauty of it too because like you even have like some of these programs like appalachia state that out of nowhere, it's just like you, you just never know like what could happen in college football. Like you could go from being like the team that's always second or like you could be last place in your conference, second to last in your conference, and then you get that one good year, that one good season, and then you just build upon that. You get the recruits. You keep building. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I love about college football, man. It's just anything can go in that. It's just it's crazy. Uh, like that, like you see so many different defenses and offenses and stuff like that. Like you look at like the Oregon, like the old Chip Kelly Oregon days, like seeing that offense and seeing what that offense can produce on a weekly basis. They're putting up like seventy points a game. Mm-hmm. Like how is that even possible? And then you got these defenses too. It's like some of these shut down defenses. Like yeah, Alabama's defenses back in the day. I mean, these guys are just. Any team was even lucky to even get a field goal off mm-hmm. some of these defenses. Or that, like, the dif- defense, like, their base defenses. Like, some of these college teams are running a base defense that most NFL teams only throw in situational packages. So, like, um, I think UTEP was running a 4-2-5 there for a while where they had four down linemen, four down two, line, linebackers, two linebackers, yep. and five defensive Five DBs. Backs. Like, you don't see that. Like, you see that in the NFL, but in a situational, like, basis. They were running that as their base defense. Like, that's the beauty of college football. You never – like, there was always something different. You're never going to get the same thing. That's what I love about college football. That, and these, these kids aren't getting paid. They're doing it because they love the game. Absolutely. So, it's – I am so happy college football is back for that exact reason. 
<laughs> and it's like the traditions too. Like you think of all these programs that have the traditions. You got Clemson with the Rock. You got. Um, you got UW with jump around. Jump around, <laughs> yep. Penn State with the whiteout and the zombie fifth nation. quarter. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we're gonna dive into our next topic, which is our route, our Mount Rushmore of sports movies, football movies. Oh, we're just gonna go football? I mean, why not? It's football season, then you got you got to do it. Well, it's technically still baseball season I mean, in a yeah, way. You got baseball season in the next two. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, but I figure with football season be pretty much on the rise and being here now. I mean, you got preseason NFL, you got college football starting up. I figure we'd do a little Mount Rushmore of football movies. Oh, I'm gonna tell you right now, I already got mine. <laughs> you already like got this, yours? This isn't even hard for me. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Rep- the replacements, Keanu Reeve. Okay. And uh Little Giants. Little Giants? You, you can't beat that. Okay. I definitely agree with two out of the three. Definitely uh, the replacements and uh, any given Sunday. For me, my number one, I got to say, remember the Titans. Okay, okay, you got me there. Definitely me there. definitely, probably one of the best football movies, in my opinion. Um, second, I have the replacements. So a little piggyback ride off you there. <laughs> and then number three, I got to say, is Waterboy. I mean – Classic Adam Sandler comedy. Uh, yeah, the water boy. <laughs> you remember when Bobby Boucher came back at halftime and Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl, do you? <laughs> water sucks. It really, really sucks. H2O. Gatorade. H2O. <laughs> Just an absolute classic. Oh, man. Hey, they're... That's another thing. Like, you don't see those kind of movies coming out anymore. No. It's getting hard. Anymore, it's just basically, like, sports documentaries. Yeah. I think documentaries are on the rise right now. I think it's kind of, like, going through that phase. Like, a couple weeks ago, I went to go see that uh, that Brian Banks movie. Mm-hmm. It was actually really good. Yeah? I, I really enjoyed it. I, I honestly recommend it. It was actually a really good movie. Um, based off a true story, I, I liked it. I, I haven't yet to be able to see it. Hence, me working seven days a week makes me a little makes it a little harder for me to see, go out and see movies. Very but, true. Uh, so, the next topic I want to go into, and this one's going to be a little bit of a surprise, with it being next week, the start of the NFL season. I want to I want to hear. I already, I already know who who the heck I'm picking. Uh, who do you think is the most underrated player in the NFL ever? Ever. Ever. Most underrated. I think you're going to like my guy. Oh, man. That, honestly, man, there's so many to choose from. Most underrated. Describe, give me like a definition of like underrated. Like someone who doesn't get. Who doesn't it, get the headlines. Could, could it. Okay, so like a Hall of Famer. Not, doesn't could even could have it, to be Hall of Famer. So, like, here, I'll give you an idea. So, my pick is Brian Westbrook. Okay. This is a guy that... Pretty much did everything for Philly. Did it all. Return kicks, return punts, could catch out of the backfield, could run, could pass block. Did it all. And me personally, I think Brian Westbrook should be a Hall of Famer. The The combined amount of yards from scrimmage this guy put up is insane. Oh, yeah. And his versatility is insane. Especially for what he did in Philly. I mean, Andy Reid, like, that was Donovan's go-to for, like, a screen. Like, mm-hmm. always always relied on Westbrook on, like, a third and three. Get that screen pass, quick screen out to Westbrook on, like, a halfback. It was just. And he, he was homegrown. It. He was homegrown. Villanova. Villanova. <laughs> the come from where he came from and spent how many years in the league? And stayed productive the whole entire time he was in the league. That's why I, I say he's underrated. Because no one talks about him. No. And no one talked about him when he was in the league. It wasn't, oh, this is your X Factor right here. When clearly he was the he X was Factor. He was the X Factor, yeah. Um, think, just thinking about it, I mean, I, I honestly got to say maybe it was like a Devin Hester. Possible, I mean... 
was in the headlines a good bit. <laughs> I mean, return wise, yeah, but like he was decent as a receiver as well. I mean, he was okay. <laughs> I would like I, I, honestly, <laughs> I probably could have gone Steve Smith as well. Which one? Come on, the New York Giants, Steve Smith. No, no. <laughs> no, I gotta say, probably the Carolina Panthers, Steve Smith. Yeah, very underrated. Um, undersized actually because i think he's like what five nine i and for that being in the i NFL, think they like, list him as five ten but <laughs> so the disrespect on him <laughs> people disrespected him <laughs> and for how well like the the way he, he was career. he was a gritty guy and always put up a fight every week like didn't matter how tall the cornerback was or mm-hmm. anything like steve smith always showed out every week put him to work Yep, ice up, son. <laughs> Got me a mid, mid-drink mid right there. Uh, uh, it, it's, it, it's, that goes back from at the beginning of the show. Like, these late-round picks, you never know what you're going to get out of them. Like Brian Westbrook, late-round late pick. Late-round, yeah. Like, late-late-round pick. And that guy had, I think he played in the league for, like, what, 12, 15 years? Something like, like that. I like, think like 12. And he was a running back. Like, that's unheard of for most well, running I mean, backs. look at Frank Gore today. Well, yeah. Well, Frank, Frank, Frank Gore is a whole other animal right there. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other <laughs> animal right there. I, mean, I think that guy just gets better with age. <laughs> He's like a fine wine. He's got, like, the fountain of youth in, like, his backyard. Well, if he does have the fountain of youth, he needs to start sharing. <laughs> it's like, Give it up. to Patty Mahomes. Give us, like, 40 years of Patty Mahomes, and I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> going to need something for Carson. <laughs> you you just need, like, an anti-injury elixir for Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> then he can start drinking out of the fountain of youth. <laughs> Carson, if you're hearing this, please go back to two years ago. <laughs> That'd be great. Help us out, man. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe get, also give Travis Kelsey, you know, that fountain of youth because you know he is the breed of tight end, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about today is what the tight end position is becoming. It's becoming everybody a, wants the next Gronk. It's becoming the focal point TJ of Hawkinson. offenses now. T.J. Hawkinson out of Iowa, like when the Lions drafted him, is I mean, it's Matt, I know it's Matt Patricia and the Belichick situation, but everybody wants to get the next strong. Like, but as I said, the tight end position nowadays, that that's starting to become a focal point of the offense. Look, like look at Cincinnati last night. They built they built part of that offense around the tight end position. Sakes, they did a play-action screen pass to the tight end. A design play. Get him moving one way and give it to your tight end and just let him go upfield. Like, it, the tight end position has involved that much. You know, it, we went from when we started watching football where the tight end position was meh. The Tony Gonzalez's. The and then it led into the Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Shockey's, the Tony Gonzalez's. Antonio Gates, you, you know, guys like that. And if, and like Shannon Sharp is another guy. And if you look back at the past Super Bowl winning teams, Zach Ertz, they had a tight, uh, tight, ends. tight end. They had that game changing tight end. Zach Ertz, Gronk. Gronk. Those are the teams that win these games. Heck, whenever. Aaron Rodgers won his only Super Bowl. He had Jermichael Finley. In his prime, Jermichael Finley. Jermichael, yeah, I said Jermichael Finley in his prime, yeah. You know, that's that's the X factor. You have to have a good tight end nowadays if you want to be successful in the NFL. If you want to be a successful team in the NFL, you have to have that X factor at tight end. End of story, plain and simple. Because the best teams right now, they have that. You got... San Diego, they got, I think it's Hunter Henry, or is it Henry? Yeah, Hunter Henry. Kansas City has Travis Kelsey. Philly's got Zach Ertz. Philly got Zach Ertz. Tennessee has 
Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, who is the when most he's healthy, underrated, underrated very, tight end. Yeah, very underrated in tight end, yeah. But yeah. when he's healthy, beast. Exactly. It, it's just plain and simple. If you want to be successful in the NFL nowadays, you have to have a tight end. If you don't, you're screwed. And the tight ends aren't there just to block anymore. They're getting bigger. They're getting faster. They're becoming the Travis Kelsey mold. Tony Gonzalez started at first. A guy that formerly played basketball could move, could high point the football perfectly. And the same thing with Antonio Gates as well. Antonio Gates was another basketball player, and mm-hmm. that's what we grew up watching. Yeah, it, like it's just, and it wasn't just Cincinnati either. BYU was doing the same thing last night. Their tight end it was one of the, one of the biggest focal points of that offense. So. Seeing how the tight end position has evolved throughout my lifetime, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And Kansas City has always had decent tight ends. Oh, yeah, same thing with Philly. <laughs> it's like we had Brent Selleck forever. Mm-hmm. Brent Selleck. Because, um, heck, we had Tony G. I remember Tony Moyaki there oh, for yeah, a little Tony bit. Moyaki, yep. I don't know what the heck happened to the guy, but I remember when he stepped out onto the scene. That, that – <laughs> I remember his first touchdown. Well, I don't know if it was his first, but I remember when he really broke out that year. He made that toe tap back of the end right zone. Right back of the end zone, yep. I falling out of the end zone catch. And it's like, tight ends don't make that catch. <laughs> Wide receivers make that catch. Tight, tight ends, ends don't, don't make that catch. <laughs> they have, like, no purpose of making that catch. <laughs> but that it's just how the game game and that position has has evolved and has become because it said they're getting bigger they're getting faster they're almost they're giant wide receivers i think calvin benjamin should move to tight end because heck he's like a big mac away from being a tight end anyway. <laughs> so yeah i completely agree i mean you got these guys that are getting taller faster and it's just like you said i mean the way it's the way it's evolving i mean you got these winning teams now. They got the they got their tight ends. Um, you have to be per, almost just about perfectly balanced nowadays. Like you can't have that one hole on offense. If you're an all-out run team, you aren't going to win the Super Bowl anymore. No. Like you can't be like the '85 Bears and lean on your running back to, you know, your running back and your defense. Like I think you could still lean on your defense and go win a Super Bowl. Like, it's happened recently. So, like, the year that Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, that was largely in part of that defense. Oh, yeah. I don't care what anybody says. That was a large part of that of that defense. Charles Woodson, yeah. Clay Matthews, B.J. Raji. Like, Clay Matthews that year was a force. No one could block him. No. Or Denver. Denver's last Super Bowl win. That wasn't was Peyton same, Manning. That was the, that was the defense. Oh yeah, for sure. So nobody it, nobody wanted any business with Vaughn Miller. No, Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware. You you didn't want it because they still had Danny Trevathan as well. Derek Wolf was playing playing like a Pro Bowler. So that's it. I think you could still win a Super Bowl with a game managing quarterback and a damn good. Uh, defense but if you have a subpar defense you need to be almost perfectly well-rounded on the offense position you need to have tight end you need to have an okay run game and game changing tight end and fairly decent wide receivers and you'll, you'll be okay and Patriots proved that <laughs> you can have an okay three-headed backfield a game changing tight end and fairly decent wide receivers other than Julian Edelman, and you can win a Super Bowl. But uh, I, I guess at the same time, it kind of helps that you have Tom Brady. But, you know, that's besides <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're going to end the show on a sad note, though. Um, yeah. Very unfortunate. Yeah, this, this happened, um, what, a few months back. It was right around the beginning of the baseball season. No, it was like mid part of the baseball season. Um, I want to say before All-Star break? I think it was before the All-Star break with Tyler Staggs. Um, they just – today they released the coroner's report. He had 
uh, fentanyl and oxycodone and alcohol in his system. They're they're they said it was a accidental overdose on that part, and he was actually having a halfway like he was starting to revitalize his career at this past year. Um, it's a horrible story. And I remember whenever the news broke, they were down in Texas. Uh, they postponed the game, which, if you ask me, was the right thing to do as well. Yeah. Um, like I, I always liked Tyler Staggs. Like, he, just his wind-up, how he carried himself on and off the mound. He never, you know, he was one of those pitchers where he put it on himself. It was never the defense did this, you know. The bats never woke up. Otherwise, I would have won the game. He, You know, he was never that way. I really like Tyler Staggs. Um, kid was so young, too. It, he was a young kid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, back to that, it's just very tragic. I mean, and he was having such a good year, too. Like, He's a very lovable guy. Like, you, you can see that through his teammates. Yep. It's just like um, – And what was cool was the game that they saluted him on when they had the number 45 on the mound mm-hmm. and everything. And for the Angels to win the way they did that night was just – it was just awesome. With a trout bomb. Trout bomb, yep. Yeah. And then this past this past weekend with the Players Weekend, they were still honoring him throughout that whole entire weekend as well. Like, that, that just proves how much of an impact he made on his teammates and how much – his teammates truly loved him, you know. Like, not it. Not saying necessarily that this is true or anything like that, but you you could see a difference in that one with with the teammates because you know when it happened and then how long between players' weekend and when it happened, this time span. These players could have st- kept on using their nicknames on the back back of their jerseys but they were still feeling that loss yeah e- even then our heights our hearts and minds go out to the tower stags um family sad thing it's a sad thing i i know what it's like you know the issue with drugs and everything it, it's it's a growing issue my family has fought through it personally so it's, it's a rough way. It's a rough way to go out, and then you're constantly left with that, with that thought, why? So, uh, it's a sad story. Accidental o- overdose. It's rough. It's rough. You don't, like, you'll never really truly understand why or how it happened. Because I, I believe he was in his room by himself. So, and why he had that that much painkillers? Because I don't think he was dealing with an injury either. So, it could have been an ongoing issue from beforehand. And that's the thing; like you just never know, like what goes through, like the thought process of some of these athletes. Like they're not only risking their like bodies like putting themselves on the lines for us on a nightly or weekly basis but it's like you got to think of these guys like these athletes too on like off the field or off the mound regardless of like yeah what are they going through as well because you know if we have any younger listeners or anything like that just just always put it in the back of your mind that if you're prescribed a painkiller or something like that. Use it the way it's supposed to be used, and never mix alcohol with it. You know that that always leads into a dangerous situation. You know, and if if you are going through something like that, or try to find somebody to talk to. And that's that's the best way. Get it out. Don't hold it in. So, it said our our hearts and prayers go out to the Tyler Stags family. Horrible loss. 
kid was so young. It's, it's so just sad to think about. So, all right. Um, that's going to be our show for episode three. Episode Trace. Trace, Ooh. the big number three. <laughs> We're going to be keep on coming back stronger and more powerful than ever. Keep on listening. Check out our Facebook page. Leave us a like. Subscribe. Check us out on iTunes. Don't be afraid to give us our five-star Johnny Menzel rating. I am the fake Hockley. I'm the man, the myth, the legend. I wish I had 22-inch guns. Signing off. And just remember, I'm the co-host, the bearded brother from another mother, the one, the only, Chip Bayless. Thank you guys for listening.